Good morning, Redemption Hill Church. As you may have heard, our church office will be closed until April 13th. You can leave a voice message on the church phone and a person can get back to you. Um, also, you can contact us through our email, church email, and we'd be happy to get the appropriate person back in touch with you as well. Earlier this week, we began our member care efforts to assist our church family. I want to say thank you to those that are serving. A number of our people have shopped for some of our seniors and offered to help in a variety of ways. We have established safety protocols for those that are volunteering, and we've done our best to secure the requested items, but you may have experienced some of the things we're experiencing and that it's difficult to get a hold of certain items. Hopefully that will change here in the next week. If you're in need of assistance, please reach out to the church office by phone or email, and we'll be back in touch with you. Also, uh, if you'd like to volunteer and be a part of this ministry to the church family, please let us know either through an email or a phone call to the church office, and we'll also be in touch with you. Also, we'd like to be praying for our Redemption Hill members that are out working and serving others during this pandemic. As you or a loved one uh, are out serving the public in an essential frontline job, be it police, fire, it could be a medical field, even in working in a grocery store that's a front line right now, please let us know as we'd like to have our church family praying for you and for your safety. Uh, thank you for serving us during this time. And then lastly, just a reminder, keep watching the church website and social media postings for updates and helpful information. Good morning, Redemption Hill family. I just wanted to take a few moments to get you up to speed on how our church is doing financially so that you could pray and act in a more informed way. Several weeks back, we brought to your attention that our giving was lagging behind our budget. Prior to the coronavirus situation, we were running at about $10,000 a month behind our budget. Well, now that the crisis is well underway, we're getting a better sense of the financial ramifications of the crisis. So for example, last week, last week, which was our first virtual Sunday, our giving was somewhere around $15,000 for the week. Now our monthly budget is somewhere around $104,000. So we can do the math, $15,000 per week over the course of four or even five Sundays would represent a significant financial shortfall. Now, our church isn't functioning normally right now and our giving rhythms have been disrupted. And so the overseers thought it would be a good idea to just bring our situation before the congregation. Now, if giving continues to decline the way that it has been, um, this is gonna mean some significant decisions may have to be made. And this can impact our ministries in, in a real uh, way. Our ministries are fully dependent upon the giving of our people. We don't have any outside sources of income. It's the faithful and generous giving of our members and faithful attenders. And so if you're among those who have been giving faithfully, especially amidst this season, thank you so much. For those of you who, for whatever reason, have been unable to give, we just wanna encourage you and ask you to consider how you might contribute to the work that God is doing here at Redemption Hill Church. We are trusting God that God will supply all of our needs, but we do want to bring this before you, our people. Now, if you're concerned with how to give, there are two ways that, that you can give. First is you can go to the Redemption Hill website and give online, or you can mail your check to the church office. Again, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Let's continue trusting God and see what God will do. Good morning, Redemption Hill. Uh, this morning we're doing the first in our new series called Essentials. 
uh, truth when all else fails. It's about what we anchor in when everything else is stripped away. Our current crisis is hard. Uh, it's actually frightening for some. It's certainly burdensome for everyone. And um, these next few days, weeks, even months, nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. And it's a good time for us to boil things down and say, what are the absolute foundational truths that we're supposed to live by? And this morning, we're going to look at the question of who is God? Uh, sounds basic, and it is basic, but it's profound, and it's actually the defining question of history. Who is God is the problem that arose in the Garden of Eden, because Adam and Eve knew who God was, at least objectively, but they weren't willing to let him be God. So when we ask the question of who is God, it's not just do I have an objective identification of somebody, but who am I actually allowing to be God in my life. Adam and Eve chose the pathway of, of trying to establish their own um, sovereignty, really, and that has brought every problem that we are experiencing, including the one that we're experiencing right now, because they got the answer wrong about who is God. That's the question that shapes my daily life, too. Uh, each day I have to make decisions about who is really going to rule in my life, who is really able to control, who is really in charge, who really has the right to decide, and how I answer that question, not with the words of my mouth or even the truths that I affirm in my mind, but actually the way I live my life, what boils down to the very essence of my soul, uh, that's going to shape everything about me. And if I get the answer right, my days will go uh, better by far than if I get the answer wrong. And that's not a guarantee that the days won't have challenges or hardship. We certainly see that right now. And those who have clarity on where they stand with God uh, are going to go through hard things just as much as people who don't. But how we go through those things differs a lot. Who is God is what will anchor us in this moment. And our truth for today is this. God is God. I am not. That is good. God is God, I am not, that is good. Uh, it's basic, we would think it would be intuitively obvious, and yet we constantly lose sight of that. We constantly actually try to take control of the universe for ourselves, and it doesn't even work in the most uh, joyful moments. Uh, the most beautiful, cute, warm, fuzzy puppy poops on the carpet, and perfect families argue. Uh, that great raise that I wanted will have a big bite of taxes taken out of it, and the, the um, promotion includes extra responsibility. The dream car needs to go to the mechanic, and the dream vacation, sometimes we have lost luggage. Uh, it's on the sunniest days that I'm most at risk for a sunburn. Uh, I cannot get my life to behave, even in the most um, delightful moments, because it's bigger than me. Life is bigger than me. I can't control it. I'm not supposed to, I'm not designed to, and if I can see the frayed edges of even the beautiful moments, then when a hard thing hits, like what we're going through right now, that comes front and center. I'm not in control. I can't solve my problem. This is bigger than me. And maybe one of the best gifts that we can have, one of the best gifts that we can give ourselves in this moment is the gift of clarity. God is God. I am not. And that's good. If you have a Bible, if you want to open it to Psalm 100, that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. Psalm 100, 
uh, is just five verses, and it says this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God, and it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. As you look at that psalm, it's important to understand there's these wonderful things, things that we actually want to experience. The most beautiful moments are defined by things like joy and praise and and gladness and singing. And even serving, that is joyful serving, is a huge part of not only what I need for myself, but what you need from me. Not only what you need for yourself, but what I need from you. These are things that we want. We want to be thankful. We want to uh, have be filled with praise. We want to bless God's name. That's our desire. But it seems really hard sometimes, and this might be one of those times. And the great thing about this psalm is it sets up a pattern. It says, do this and know this, do this and know this. In other words, these things that we want in our lives and that God is calling forth from our hearts are anchored in something deeper than just this experience in this moment. So do these things, verses 1 and 2, is followed by, here's what you need to know in verse 3, and that's how we can do those things in verse 1 and 2, regardless of whatever else is going on. Verse 4 goes back to do these things, and then verse 5 answers the same question. Here's why. Here's what you need to know. And in verse 3, we have the first foundational truth, the one that actually shapes this uh, understanding this morning and this message, because it says in verse 3, you can do these things if you know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. Right? He is God. I am not. Because of that, even when things are hard, I'm able to be anchored in something much bigger than my circumstance, much bigger than my ability to address my circumstance. And that's where I can find peace, and that's where these other things can flow out. He is God. I am not. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen later today. I don't know what's going to happen later this week. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of this month or in the months to come or next year. I never have. I never have. This situation that we're in highlights that, maybe makes it a little bit more tense, but I just don't know. And I'm not in control. I can't, I can't make anything happen, uh, at least nothing of great significance. Everything's outside of my control. That's true when life is at its most tame and most routine. And that's true now. And this verse that says, know that the Lord, he is God, invites me to anchor there. You know, this week has been incredibly different for me. I'm sure it has been for you too. I'm part of a, a men's small group, a uh, group of young guys plus me. And uh, we met online on Wednesday night. And we were all over the place. Uh, and, and each of the guys was processing this dramatic shift. Each of them has lost things this week. Each of them had their lives essentially had the rug pulled out from under them, and now they're scrambling to catch up with where things are at this moment. 
just like I am, just like you are. Spent time um, earlier this week on the WhatsApp um, with my daughter in Africa. And you know what? They're experiencing the same thing. She's making sure that she's set so that she can settle in for a long time. She has to settle in for the long time because Rwanda's closed. You can't get out. The flights are canceled. Um, she's going to be there. And that'll be okay. That'll be okay. It's not, it's not a problem, but it's always disconcerting when I can't do what I want because I have this illusion that I'm in control, but I'm really not. I got an email earlier, actually this morning, uh, from somebody in Asia. And here's what they're saying. It sounds just like me, my neighbors, you. It says, uh, we're social distancing. We're hunkering down in our homes, managing schooling through online formats. We don't know what this will look like over the next few months, but are preparing to be in our home for quite some time. In the meantime, we pray. That's the healthiest place to be in the midst of this difficult situation. But this difficult situation actually only peels away the illusion that we sometimes live under because it, we, this is over our heads. We know we can't solve this. And we know there's got to be somebody bigger we lean into. And as followers of Jesus, we, we never doubt that truth in our minds, but sometimes we don't, we don't live it out. And this is an occasion to go back to this simple truth. God is God. He made me. I am not God. He's in control, and I can't be. I can let go of this idea of being in control of my situation right now because I wasn't designed for that. And one of the challenges is when hard things come, we tend to step up our efforts to get things back under control. And it's just not going to work. We can't do that. Um, and as that happens, as I try to step into a role that was never intended to be mine and I don't have the ability to fulfill my stress goes up. It's already a stressful situation. It, it goes up. My fear increases because not only are there the things that might happen, but there's this hard work that I'm afraid is going to go nowhere. And, and it feeds on my leaning into things instead of leaning into God. It feeds on my leaning into myself instead of leaning into God and his sovereignty and his goodness. Uh, my frustration goes up too because I keep trying and it doesn't work. Or I try and things go well with me and then somebody next door or somebody down the street or somebody at the store, they do, they do something that's really unhelpful. I, I can't control that. God is God. I am not. And there's a freedom in that. I had a friend uh, years ago who was in conversation with me about serious spiritual things, uh, an atheist, at least that's what he said at the time. And at one point he looked at me and he said with all sincerity, no joke, no snarky, really sincere and actually a sense of longing, he said, I envy you. And I asked him why. And he said, because you don't have to fix it. You believe in God. You believe he's in control. There are things you have to do, but ultimately it's in his hands. I don't believe that. And it all rests on my shoulders. And that's a heavy burden. Some of us, even as believers of Jesus, take that burden on ourselves when we shouldn't. There's a verse in Isaiah I want to read to you. It's Isaiah 40, verse 12. And it kind of helps us get perspective. God is God. I am not. Isaiah 40, verse 12 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollows of his hand? Who holds the ocean in the hollows of his hand, basically? 
Who's marked off the heavens with a span? There's the universe right there. Who's able to do that with the span of his hand? Who's enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? They had scales looking something like this, and you would put one weight on one side and then whatever you wanted to weigh on the other side and said, who can, who can do that? Who can establish the weight of a mountain by setting it in one side of the scale and, and the official weight in the other side of the scale and say, oh, it weighs so much. I mean, who even knows how much a mountain weighs? Uh, today we can go online. We don't have much else to do anyway, so we might as well. And I, I logged on to see, because you can, you can estimate those things. How much does Mount Everest weigh? Mount Everest weighs 178 billion tons, give or take. I, I, that, that's such a big number, I'm not even sure what to do with it. I'm used to getting on the scale myself and looking at the number for my weight, which is a bigger number than I like too, but 178 billion tons, that's crazy. How much is that in something I understand? So I thought, what, would, what do all the people in Los Angeles weigh? Not just the city, but the whole area, all 19 million men, women, and children. And I did a little quick math and a little quick uh, estimate, and all 19 million people in our area together weigh 1.4 billion tons, which means Mount Everest is 125 times heavier than all of us. That's really, really heavy. And, and God weighs it in his scales. I can't do that. I can't even really grasp the concept of how heavy it is, much less control it and hold it and weigh it. It says he measures the universe by the span of his hand. Yep, there's a universe, one hand width's worth. How big is that? A number of years ago, and some of you may have seen it, you can even Google it if you want to, there's a, a, a photograph taken from outer space called the pale blue dot. It's taken from 4 billion miles away, which is roughly the distance of Pluto. And it shows this sunbeam that flares across the lens of the spacecraft's camera. And suspended in the sunbeam, barely visible. You have to really increase the size of uh, your picture on your screen to really see it. Barely visible is this tiny pale blue dot. That's the Earth. Every party you've ever been to, every person you've ever known, every conquest you've ever made, every struggle you've ever experienced, every downturn it, the economy's ever had, every pandemic, every terror, every hardship, every laughter, every joy, everything we've known has taken place on that tiny pale blue dot, which from four billion miles away is just a little moat floating in a sunbeam. Now, our problems loom large to us. That's understandable. But anchoring in the fact that I am not God, God is God, I am not God, is so helpful. Because he has a perspective, not of four billion miles away, where this tiny little speck of Earth is suspended in a sunbeam. He's saying the whole universe fits the span of my hand, and the whole universe is, I did some more quick math, 400 billion times bigger in scale. So take that pale blue dot and shrink it down 400 billion times. And that's the tiniest nothing compared to God's abilities, God's control, God's power. 
when I try to take control of my life and the scarier things get, the harder things get, the more challenging they get, the harder I work at that. When I try to take control of my life in myself, I'm trying to step into shoes that belong only to God. And I can't control the things around me, but for him, they're absolutely not a problem. He has complete ability to do everything he wants to, and he has complete commitment to doing good for me. Another verse in scripture helps me kind of complete that perspective, and it comes from Psalm 62, verse 9. And it talks about people, all people, the low of estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than breath. Right? When, when God puts us in the scales, all of humanity, we don't even register. A mountain might register. We don't even register. That's how small we are. And the point of this, the point of this is not to discourage us. It's to free us. There's no way I can solve what's in front of me. My, my job is not to try to be responsible. My job is to try to respond well. That's a huge difference. God is God. I am not. He's in control. He has a plan. His plan includes everything that's going on, and it includes me and my family and my finances, and my job, and my business, and my health, and my neighbors, and my fears, and my concerns, and my hopes, and my dreams. He's got all of that. He's got all of that. God is God. I am not. Hallelujah. I don't have to be. Going back to our um, psalm, I want to bring it around to the real encouragement because it says that God, the Lord, he is God. He made us. Okay, so he's really big. But the hope doesn't lie just in that fact. The hope lies in our relationship to him. The next words, if you have your Bible still, Psalm 100, verse 3, it is he who made us and we are his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. Now, being called a sheep may not be super complimentary to us, and it may be kind of foreign and strange, but they were shepherds. They understood how important sheep were to shepherds. And, and the psalmist is saying, I, I belong to God. There's this relationship, this caring relationship. He's, he's taking me to his green pastures. He's got my life in his hands, and he will protect, and he will guide, and he will guard me through every circumstance. Sheep would face wolves, they would face lions, they would face uh, grassless regions, they would face dry with no water, and the shepherd would walk them through each of those places, each of those experiences, each of those uh, segments of the journey, and take care of them because they were his. And so the psalmist says, God is God, I'm not, but I'm his. So God is God, I am not, that's good. That's good. That's what this drives home. The last verse is really helpful too. If you want to look at verse 5, it says, The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The things around us are horrible. The things that we see around us are terrible. And God is working in, around, and through them for good. 
the problems that came into this world we brought in by by saying we wanted to do it ourselves and he is in the process of re um redeeming everything and there's a process that, that goes through and that process still allows for and even requires hard things sometimes but he's good he's always working even in the hard things to accomplish his great purpose he gave his son it tells us in Romans 8 he won't withhold any good thing all things work together for good for those who are called that's what it says for you and me he is good his steadfast love endures forever that's a beautiful picture his his love is unwavering and it's unfailing it will never come up short he will never be distracted or drawn away he's never going to respond in some sort of um, uneven or unfair way he just loves me and that will endure forever and he will walk through everything with me in love verse 5 continues his faithfulness to all generations I think pointing out his faithfulness to all generations is actually an, an invitation for you and me to remember to remind ourselves of his faithfulness so that the past faithfulness of God can fuel our faith right now can guard our hearts right now uh, a center of gravity that centers in gratitude not something naive but actually that continually recalls I saw God do this and I saw God do this and I saw God do this and I saw God do this I saw him bless me here and here and here and these are all the hard things I went through and here's how I see him looking back in the moment it may have been hard to see but looking back it's crystal clear how he worked and the good that he did when I live in that kind of gratitude it can it can shape my heart it can strengthen my faith He's been faithful to all generations throughout my whole life and each generation before and each generation afterwards. Just thinking of, of my life uh, and the big things. In the 60s, God was faithful in a time of civil upheaval, war, assassinations, and yet I still see how God was faithful. God didn't abandon any of us. And even the good things we're set against a hard backdrop. One of the most exciting things that's ever happened to all of humanity is Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin stepped out on the moon. And that was quite a testimony to commitment and, and, and vision and hope and all these kinds of things. But it's easy to miss that it was also against the backdrop of terror and the Cold War. That's one of the reasons we actually had the will to do what was necessary. We didn't want to see the Soviet Union there ahead of us and deal with those implications. So even that moment of glory was set against the backdrop of life in a broken world. And yet God was faithful through that whole season. Growing up in the 70s, I remember the gas lines. I remember double-digit inflation. And we talk about how the Dow is taking a beating now. It was in the 800s in the 70s, at a point anyway. There was a time of embargoes and embassy takeovers. It's a time of lines not for toilet paper but for gas. A lot of hard things and yet God was faithful God was faithful the 80s and 90s were mostly boom times the economy soared um, the Iron Curtain fell the whole dot-com revolution changed the way we do life 
It's allowing us to have church right now, in fact. And God was faithful through that time. We get to the 2000s and it starts with Y2K and then 9-11 and terror, the economic meltdown of 2008. And God was faithful. We've just come through the teens, which have been mostly a boom time. God hasn't abandoned us. He's been faithful. And now here we are, 2020, COVID-19, worldwide pandemic, Africa, Asia, the Americas, everywhere, Europe. What's going on? I don't really know. But ultimately, I don't have to know. God is faithful. His faithfulness endures to all generations. And as you are going through this season, may I just encourage you to keep anchoring in the truth, God is God and I am not. Hallelujah. My focus isn't on how I solve this, how I control this, how I fix this, or how I can't. I, I don't have to try to be responsible. I just have to try to respond well. Lean into God. Trust God. Do faithful things. Do wise things. Keep your social distancing and all of those things in place. And know that there may be hard times coming. But even in those hard things, even if it comes into my home, even if somebody very dear to me is forever changed, even if I lose my job or my business fails, God is faithful and he will walk through that with me. He is God and I am his. God is God. I am not. Hallelujah. That's good. Let me pray for all of us. Just a prayer of hope. This is an important time. And I don't mean to be glib. I don't mean to be simplistic. This is hard. And for some of us, it's acutely hard. And, and just anchoring in truth doesn't make the hard go away. But it puts me in a different place. It allows me to experience the hard differently. And it guards my heart. You know, it says in Philippians 4, a passage I turned to again and again, and I've prayed multiple times during this season, um, and, you know, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hard things come. Hard things will probably be with us for a while, but we can anchor in this reality. God is God. I'm not, I don't have to be praise God because God is also good. His faithfulness endures to every generation and he will work in and through this current situation and every situation afterwards. One of the challenges is when we come out the other side, will I continue to live with this daily reliance on him? That is the thing that will make a life worth living. Crystal clarity on who is God. God is God. I am not Praise him. Here's my prayer of blessing for us all. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope.